Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast where we bring you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specialized in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Justin Burns. He is the founder and CEO over at Maestro. Thank you so much for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. And to kick things off, Justin, why don't you just tell you know myself and the audience a little bit more about your background and really what you know what was it inside of you that made you want to create the product? Yeah, so back in 2000, and I want to say eight, um, you know, I was at a company, I wasn't even really dreaming about being an entrepreneur, like there's no entrepreneurs in my family. Um, I have no tech background, like I always preface it by saying that, like, that's kind of the story that we kind of tell, like, you know, in building this company. So back in 2008, uh, I was fired, I found myself in the unemployment line, right? <laughs> and didn't know that was going to be my reality, but it was. Um, I thought I was going to have a 10, 15 year career, then, you know, figure something out. Mm. It didn't happen that way. Um, and I always say like, that's your greatest opportunities, right? Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize this. So um, my friend calls me up and he's like, Justin, listen, I got this opportunity. Now, when people say I got an opportunity, like, you're <laughs> like what is this dude selling? What is he, you know, what yeah. is it? Um, and so I, I, I kind of just something inside of me was like, take this opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after I came literally from the unemployment line, literally drove to meet him at a Starbucks, a local Starbucks, we sat out and he introduced me to this concept of social media. Okay. Um, now at the time of 2008, nobody knew what the hell social media was. Right. right, right. Uh, so it was just like, I was like, ah, intriguing. Um, next week, I had got a job offer. Um, it was fast. Um, huh? That was fast. Yeah, it was fast, right? I was like excited, right? <laughs> Next week I got a job offer. And so my friend calls me up. He's like, dude, what are you going to do? I need your help in building this company. Uh-huh. And I was like, dude, I'm not an entrepreneur. Like, I don't, I don't even know where to start. He's like, I'll teach you. Uh, and so I turned down the job, the, the job offer and just decided to fly out on a one-way ticket. I only had enough money to get a one-way ticket to San Diego. I was staying in Chicago at the time, born and raised in Chicago. Um, and we took a risk and the risk didn't pay off initially. I wish I could say it was a great story, but we didn't make any money for like two years. My mom was like, you're crazy. Um, and, and she's like, you need to get a regular job. And so uh, for two years, we built this startup, and then I was introduced to the software space mm-hmm. by him. He started working on this technology uh, platform, and that's why I was like, this is really cool. I love this stuff. So uh, he ended up selling that company. Uh, I wasn't smart enough at the time to get a percentage. I wish I did, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I got the experience, and I did get paid, right? He compensated yeah. me pretty well. And so I kind of backpacked for about a year, kind of travel in the U.S., trying to figure out what my next um, move was going to be. Yeah. And software just kept coming back up, you know. So by, I this kinda time, just, by this time, like, you didn't really have, you know, that entrepreneur beforehand. And I don't know the, the year, the space between that, but it seems like you got a little taste of it with your friend. And then, you know, this thing happened. It didn't go as planned then a different company he built up and sold where you were again involved in kind of like the growing of it. You didn't necessarily have the, you know, the, the, I guess the businessman chops to get an equity on it. Uh, and now at this point in time, 
you know that you want to become an entrepreneur like this is like you know this is what you want to do moving forward yeah i don't think it really hit me up until my second encounter um which uh which really shifted my perspective about marketing mm. um, and and so i kind of like i had about six months that i just did random stuff uh, i wasn't rich at all from what he paid me it was like i, I had like probably like a couple like six months or so that i could relax a little bit uh, but then I had to figure out what was the next step, right? Like, what was the next thing for me? Um, and I was kind of drawn to online marketing. Um, that was one of the skills that I helped that I had developed to grow this company, which was, you know, Facebook ads, Google ads, um, joint venture partnerships. That was kind of like what I was responsible for. So I was kind of like drawn to that. Uh, but I wasn't ready to like start my own thing just yet. I was like, I, did, I still had to fear the doubts. Like, I just didn't think I could do it. And then uh, my buddy who runs um, a software company now, shout out to uh, Mark Thompson, who uh, had, owns Pay Kickstart. Uh, yeah. He was actually the first to kind of say, let me take some of your skill sets. And then for about two years, I was his copywriter. So the art of, I wrote a lot of his sales persuasion for some of his um, sales videos. And then he had this software company. And I was like, all right. I'm being pulled in this direction yeah. of clearly technology. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where, you know, the rest is, is, is kind of like, you know, history. So, right. That's really cool. So when did you decide to start Maestro, which is a platform for coaches? Like what is, where does that come in? Because you were at, over at pay, pay kickstart, I think it's called. Right. And then what it happened? Was digital kickstart at the time. Yeah. What, ha what, ha what, where did you go from there? So in the, in the space for about a year, even though I was doing copywriting services for him, I was still kind of doing little things and I kind of uh, dabbed in the world of coaching. And so then I kind of got into course building, which is, you know, building membership sites and building courses. Uh, and so I was able to build up a pretty significant uh, income stream from memberships. So I started building more membership sites and building for, for other people or for yourself? No, for myself. Right. So I was teaching, you know, different trainings on like how to get clients. I had a consultant course that I was teaching because I was getting paid as a consultant at the time. So I taught other people how to be a consultant. Um, and so I charged monthly. And so I started to build up some pretty, uh, pretty good revenue with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it didn't really hit me. So Maestro is not my first platform. Um, you know, we had a platform before that, uh, that was called Bolt Publisher. Uh, and it was a, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with like Google AMP, uh, yeah. Facebook instant articles. So like mobile, uh, their own mobile responses. Well, we built the platform to kind of combine all of those and put it into one platform. That's cool. Um, so, um, yeah, we built that up for a couple of years. We bootstrapped it. Um, and so we sold that company off. Um, and you know, I pretty much then started to say, you know, what's next, right? It was like that thing of like, what, you know, what's the next thing? And so I was like, well, I've built courses, I've built membership sites. It only makes sense to try to tackle, you know, the, the problems in that area, even yeah. though we had competitors in it, it just made sense. When we started that. Right. Okay. So and that's a good question. Like you're, you're essentially swimming in a red ocean with some big players. You got click funnels, you got Kajabi, uh, you yeah. got others that I don't know about, but what, like, 
well, like you mentioned, right? Like we are tackling the problems that are in there. What are those problems that kind of differentiate you between, you know, ClickFunnels or Kajabi or whatever else there's out there? Yeah. So I think, you know, well, well kind of to back up, right? I think like we get caught up in sometimes thinking that the ocean is shallow, right? That's true. Like that's, another, think- that's another point that I like to bring up because, yeah. you know, there's so many people. It's just, I mean, think about it, right? I mean, when you look at their user count, right? right and, and right. so for example, I mean, ClickFunnels is definitely, uh, is not, I mean, I, I love, I, 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 you know, I've met Russell, you know, I love what he's doing. You know, they have a hundred thousand users, right? Yes. Um, you know, the biggest thing is ClickFunnels is more funnel building, right? It's not really a, a competitor with ours. I mean, it can be a bills membership, but that's not their focus. Now you're left with some of our other competitors, but if you combine their users, I mean, you're talking about 30, 40,000 users. If you're thinking about it, you're talking about, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of, of business owners. There's, I mean, not, I mean, millions, sorry, millions of business owners. And then you're talking about, that's not even counting the new ones that come online and decide, Hey, I'm going to monetize my expertise. Hey, I'm going to become a business owner. So, you know, I used to kind of get caught up in, sort of it it actually one of my um mentors said this recently it was so interesting he spends around three million dollars a month on ads Mm. um and he said you know i was telling him the same thing i'm like dude you know i gotta have this super differentiation and he's like you know that's true to some degree but he's like do you understand that you haven't even tapped into yeah clients and customers and do you understand like you're on the internet like there's traffic sources that you haven't even begun to explore. Uh, so he's like, don't get caught up in the hype of like, that you have to, you know, that you have this competitor and that competitor. He's like, you know, all you, you, all you need is a couple thousand to 10,000 users to have a really healthy yeah. night business. So. Mm-hmm. Totally. So with that being said, how did you go about, you know, finding the first, say 50 customers? Yeah. So my first 50 customers came from, you know, um, I already kind of had people on my courses and different things like this. Cause actually our company is, is, is pretty much, uh, I mean, a hundred percent debt free. Um, so we bootstrapped the whole company from digital marketing. So I like, that's what I was excited about because I was like, well, we, we bootstrapped this from, you know, courses. So, uh, from selling our online courses and then just putting the money into building the technology. So um, for us, our first 50 customers came from uh, really a shotgun approach. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it was just like at that time, like, let's just do a million things and see, see what works. <laughs> what um, sticks. And then I kind of, what happened is, is we didn't get much traction, right? Mm-hmm. We tried so many things and we didn't get much traction. So Um, one of the things I did was took a step back and I said, you know, I've been a full-time entrepreneur for 10 years outside of the SaaS space. And I said, you know, one of the things I respect about Russell Brunson, even in ClickFunnels is that he built his own path. He didn't go to traditional SaaS route with trials. I mean, they're doing that now, but, uh, he built it mostly off of what he was good at. So I said, let me take a step back. So our first 50 customers came from mostly doing joint venture deals um, with people because that was the space I was good at. I built a lot of great relationships with companies and uh, other people who have really large platforms. So I went to them 
Uh, and our first um, 50, actually, we had 100 customers come off of one promotion off of this. Nice. Um, where we did a joint venture deal where we gave the affiliate 30%. Um, and I presented a webinar to his audience. And um, out of that, um, I wanted to go the trial. I, I, I tried two different methods. I tried to package up a training with it so that I could sell it for more to increase, you know, uh, more so our lifetime value of our customer. But what I decided to do instead was I said, well, you know, I know it's not going to be worth your time as much, but let's try to do like a trial of our $99 a month um, you know, uh, plan. Right. And so we did that and we offered, you know, 30% commissions, uh, and we did a hundred trials on our, um, on our, uh, just from that one promotion. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Where is, so that was at the beginning where, what are the, the top performing, you know, like channels for you? Like, where are you putting most of your focus or are you still trying to figure out essentially like which marketing channel is going to be the best one for Maestro? I think you're always trying to figure that out, right? Like, you know, you're trying to figure it out. Um, our top performing channels to acquire customers have really come from um, Google ads. Like we just, we just love Google ads. That's where a majority of our customers come from now. Um, and joint ventures, you know, honestly, but the joint ventures have transformed into two fields. So I think every SaaS founder has to sort of play to their strengths initially or get someone who has a lot of strength so you can gain traction really fast. Otherwise, you know, it's very easy to get discouraged where you don't have revenue for a whole year. And then it's like, you're not as passionate. So for me, I wanted to see the cash come in and then it's like, all right, let's go a hundred miles an hour. Right. Um, so for me, I'm pretty, my skill sets are, you know, even though I'm pretty good at advertising, I'm, I'm really, really good at speaking and doing yeah. like shows like this or really presenting on webinars. I'm really good at that. So for me, it's like, I need to play in that wheelhouse, right? And so for me now, what I do is I'll do like interviews like this, or I'll do uh, a webinar with a, a influencer. And then I'll say, hey man, you do you have any oppor other opportunities? Like maybe you have an event coming up you want me to speak at? And so that kind of really led into this year. Um, and that's kind of the shotgun approach. I wouldn't recommend that. I want to kind of measure my customers coming in. But that led to probably 25 speaking engagements in the last year. Oh, that's good. That added probably hundreds of users uh, to our platform. Mm -hmm. um, and also indirectly them working with us on related consulting deals as well that kept funding the machine. So That's cool. What do you think is like... You, you, you said that you started advertising pretty early on with Maestro, right? Like the product itself, like throwing, throwing paid ads at it. Mm -hmm. so one of the conversations that I've had in the past with people, and I feel like it depends, you know, obviously like it usually depends, but I, I want to hear what you think about it. Um, where people usually tell others, you know, like don't start spending on advertising when first you know that the product is actually going to like stick you know like people are going to actually be using it and stuff like that it's like we had an ex uh, experience with a with a, a client where we were spending upwards of like ten thousand dollars per month on advertising and they had a leaky bucket right like none of their customers like none of the trials were actually converting and stuff like that and 
they were relatively early. Uh, so we put, put everything on pause. We started working on the funnel and everything to get actually, you know, all those trials to, to turn to something. But how do you assure that that happens, right? Or would you have just stopped if you weren't seeing the results from the beginning? Because I, I, I see it as a way to just speed time, right? Because it's going to take a lot of time for you to get traction and traffic to the website if you don't have an audience to share it to. Or like you said, like those, you know, uh, those uh, relationships with other people that have an audience that they can position it to. So if you're not sending traffic, you know, in big volumes at the beginning, it's going to take you, I think, a longer period of time to really know, you know, is this actually going to work? Yeah, I think I think you kind of touched on a point where if I were to kind of go back in time and, and, you know, we all make mistakes. If I were to go back in time and do it over and we, we, we've done this now, so I can kind of speak to this. Right. Um, I definitely would, would focus on product market fit first, like just making sure that I'm talking to potential customers that I'm really interviewing them and making sure that, you know, is what I'm building something that they're going to use. Um, on top of that, um, you know, like, for example, you asked the question earlier about, you know, my competitors, even though there's a lot of competitors out there, we have, you know, we, again, we, that's thinking in a shallow ocean than a deep ocean, right? And so we still have to kind of develop features that other people are not thinking about right. that can allow for us to get there, you know, be able to maybe uh, convert other people who are thinking about their, you, you know, using their platforms and the post ours. So for us recently, we've been sort of like thinking about, um, I call them uh, thinking about just solving problems for a specific market and having product market fit for that specific market, right? Mm -hmm. So we've been doing a lot of interviews, talking to people, and we were able to come up with a new feature um, that our competitors can completely rip off, but we know that they're not going in that direction and it solves a big problem that's not even around course creation. It's a completely different problem, uh -huh. right? That people are not thinking about uh, that connects to our platform. Right. And so for us, that's where we're, we're really doing. Number two is, you know, like thinking about low cost things that can give you the highest leverage, right? So like, yeah, I definitely would not go out and spend 10 grand on ads if, you know, if, if, if I knew that my funnel wasn't working. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, um, you know, when you're dealing with churn and you're dealing with all these things and you're trying to make a customer stick, I mean, you want to figure that out first, right? Totally. Uh, so, you know, it's like fixing the funnel and making sure you're tracking metrics and you kind of know what those are. But the other thing key too, is like, I don't think it's anything wrong with, you know, going out there and using low cost methods that are not going to really cost you anything. For example, like joint venture partnerships, you know, how do you get access to these, you know, joint venture partnerships? Well, different things like what you're doing, you know, you're building up a database of interviewing people. Right. Uh, those are people that you can always reach out to and say, Hey man, can we work together? Or is there something that we can do? Or can I promote to your audience this? So doing things like this, you know, if you did a webinar, let's say you did a webinar and let's just say this person has, this business has, you know, can put 400 people on a webinar. I mean, you know, let's just say whatever you convert on that webinar, I mean, it's not costing you other than time. It's not going to cost you anything to acquire a customer. Then you get that beta, those beta users in on your, 
you know, on your platform and you just stay focused on them. That's right. what we did. Our first 10 to 20 users, um, we literally did, we stopped promoting for a while and we just focused on what their needs and what their desires were as well. And keeping in mind that those were essentially like a pretty similar group of people, meaning like they were all coaches or they were all, you know, online entrepreneurs, yeah. something where the product would be made for them. Because if you go out and get 20 customers from, you know, 20 different sources and completely different, uh, I guess, like, you know, business backgrounds, you might be trying to please 20 different people in, in a very different, you know, scenario, essentially. Yeah, 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 exactly. You, you know, you, you got to make sure it's your, pro <clears throat> your market, right? Um, and even like, you know, diversifying where you have your set of new users, and then you also have the people that are using your competitor tools. Right. Um, and that's one of the things we've been doing recently is we're interviewing people that, you know, essentially they are using our competitor tools. Mm. Um, and so that's one of the biggest things that we've noticed and that we did. Um, mm. And it's really helped us immensely. That's cool. So I'm interested to hear, I, th I think people will be too. How do you get, you know, in touch with those people and what's your approach? Like, what do you tell them? Hey, uh, I have my show. You are using this other platform. We want to interview you to see like what you think or like what's missing from, you know, whatever platform you're using or what, what what's kind of like the outreach approach there? Yeah. So, you know, there's a couple different ways you can do it. If you are going to spend money on ads, then the best thing to do is instead of like, you know, giving away, uh, we, we use the simple funnel. So one of the things that we did was we gave, we, we, we thought about the big problems of our market. So like, for example, we designated a few hundred dollars to Facebook ads. And what we did was, is, you know, <clears throat> one of the things we realized in the course space is not a lot of people teach, um, how to increase their prices or, you know, teach people how to price a, a training so mm -hmm. that they get more lifetime value of a customer. So we literally spent the weekend creating like this little PDF, this little document. Um, we put together a simple landing page and we targeted all of our competitors pages. So like, you know, click funnels and all these different things. When they came in on the second page, there was a video of me and my mug. And I just said, it was a quick video. It was just like, Hey, uh, thanks so much for, you know, um, you know, downloading your PDF, your PDF is on the way, but listen, I need your help. Uh, and I want to bribe you to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. so we're putting together this program, uh, which is a software training program that's similar to blah, 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 whatever it is. And it allows for you to create the, on, these online courses, but we want to make sure that it really helps you in a deep way and find out that it, you know, helps you to solve your problem. So here's what I need for you to do. Down below is a quick survey, a quick form, fill it out. We would love to talk to you. And in exchange, we'll give you like a $10 gift card or we'll give you access to early beta when it comes out. You can do many different ideas. Right. You'll be surprised that like you, you're going to get five, 10, 20 people. It's going to take you up on it. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's like one kind of creative way where you can kind of get some quick data Mm -hmm. um, and you can get people. The other way is just, you know, sometimes like <clears throat> what we'll do is this is more like the just shotgun direct approach, mm -hmm. but just going into like those user groups and kind of looking yeah. at, you know, people 
who use, you know, click funnels or whatever it is, or um, not directly going in and like spamming people, just, you know, going in and friending like five or 10 of them and just say, Hey, I would love to chat because I'm creating a product and I would love to create it around your feedback to help you to make this easier for you. Hmm. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, now to, we're getting, we're uh, coming up on the time here, but to kind of like shift gears into more of so the, the personal, you know, aspect of owning a business, growing the business and keeping the people happy. What has been the biggest challenge for you as a, as an entrepreneur on a personal level, whether it is with family, you know, relationships, uh, making sure you give yourself time to like go out and relax, whatever it may be. Yeah, I think, you know, I think like, you know, it's always hard as an entrepreneur. I've been doing this 10 years, man. So it's always hard, like, to balance all of that. You know, you got to balance. You know, you ever seen that meme that goes, you know, you got to have a perfect credit. You know, I, I don't know who this person is, but they have a eight 800 credit score, you know, budget every week. They have $100,000 in the bank, you know. And I always, like, laugh when I see that meme because it's so true. Yeah. I think, like, you got to give yourself time to – you know, like really like relaxation is fine, but it's like, you know, what I do is every couple months I take like three or four days off. Right. Um, because I've changed my relationship to where pain is not as bad as it used to be. Like, I think sometimes we avoid pain yeah. and pain is the things that strengthen us. Right. And I'm not trying to sound like a motivational speaker, but it's just true. <laughs> Um, you're never going to avoid pain. So like you have to push past that and change your relationship to pain yeah. and your work changes. And then the way that you wake up changes, mm -hmm. are you going to feel like doing this shit every day? No, but you know, you kind of just like push through. The other thing is like every week, like every Sunday, what has helped me as an entrepreneur, like I do a massive brain dump every single week, get everything out of my head. And then I am able to kind of plan out the rest of my week. Mm -hmm. And also I'm able to really make sure my team, because we're a small team, we have about eight people, uh, full-time people on our team. So it's like, you know, I have to make sure that as a leader, I'm empowering them to make really good, really big decisions. Here's another tip. Um, when you, even if you don't, like, even if you can't afford it right now, or you're bootstrapping your business, or your business is scaling, like, I used to think that I had to make a certain amount of money to get an assistant but it's so not true. You have so many people out here yeah. that they like, it's just so many people, so many resources of people that you can hire them for very little. And I'm not even talking about like outsourcing and like my assistant is actually here in Atlanta with me. Um, and she just loves what she does. She loves helping me out. And so for me, it has freed up do so much in my life. Mm -hmm. Like I can imagine like not having an assistant now. Like, yeah. I used to think I had to wait until I was at like, you know, a million dollars a month or whatever yeah. it is. Now she takes care of all those little things. She's checking behind the support people. She, you know, does little runs like my food or she responds to my email. Mm -hmm. What that does for me is it allows for me to be creative and focus on the business and creating yeah. really great products. So. And I think that's something that I don't think anyone's ever actually said, but I think it's, you're completely, you know, right on that like those little things take up so much time like 
in you know when you're doing it, it doesn't seem like it because you're just going in and like responding to an email did you add the times that you go back to your email on a daily basis like yeah. like two three hours just getting back to people uh for things that don't necessarily need you to be there you know right when you're doing it so i, I completely agree with that uh do you have any aside from maestro what is your your favorite you know like a SaaS company that you just look up to Ooh, that's a good question uh well, I'm biased, right? I, you know, he taught me everything I know. Mark, shout out to Mark Thompson with Pay Kickstart, which is a yeah. shopping cart company. Um, I, I love, like, there's there's a medium of, like, I study half and half. I study the bootstrap companies because yeah. I respect them a lot for, yeah. like, not to say, you know, funding can come in handy sometimes. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, those guys, like, I like studying those companies. So, like, I mean, again, I, I respect guys like Click funnels uh russell brunson who built that um but some of the the other side like i mean bigger companies like you know salesforce i like i like studying all those different like SaaS companies um there's a few of them like the guys from drift love what they're yeah. doing too yeah. how they kind of shift their business model from you know being going after intercom to completely building like a bot business like yeah. So I read up a lot on a lot of what SaaS companies are doing, but those are just some of the, 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 uh, Wistia. I love yeah. what they're doing. There's just a lot, there, there's a lot of them who just, yeah. you know, they shift, they pivot it and they've been around for years and you know, this is not an easy business to. It's not. I, I think that's one of the misconceptions is that people think that, you know, I was going to create the next, you know, uh, application or something and it's going to be like an easy, an easy right from there. But I think, uh, I, they just don't really know like what they're getting into if they are going to try it out thinking that's going to be the case. Uh, but I, I really like how, you know, you mentioned earlier that you had no, and I think that's for the most part, how, how I think how most people go, right. But they don't really know, uh, much about software and stuff like that. And like now the way you just said that about the SaaS companies, it, it seems like you really enjoy being in the space. You love, you know, seeing other companies just do the things that they're doing and growing, especially the, the, the bootstrapped ones. Uh, it takes a lot to do that, you know, so uh, props to the people, including yourself as well. Uh, and with that being said, Justin, why don't you just tell us where can people find you online? Yeah, so obviously, you know, our website is Maestro, uh, but people go to the normal Maestro, rebranded Maestro. So it's actually spelled M-I-E-S-T-R-O.com. And um, if you guys want to connect and you love this episode and you got any questions, you want to reach out or you know, you love something I said, yeah, hit me up on Instagram at the Justin Burns, um, the Justin Burns, the other Justin Burns stole the regulars. I couldn't get that URL. So <laughs> the Justin Burns uh, cool. on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for being on here. It's a pleasure having you. Uh, I had a really good time talking with you and uh, I wish you the uh, best success. Thanks a lot for having me. You're welcome. Have a good day.